Hey guys, we have an amazing podcast for you today. Thank you for joining us on this Piedmont Church podcast where we exist to lead people to love God, love people, and invest in his kingdom. Today, we have the lovely Amy Barbie. She is my bride, but she is so much more than that. She is a staff writer at our church. Uh, She is a great human being and overall saint in making. So, we're going to ask her about her favorite books, both fiction and nonfiction. So let's dive in and get this done. Hey, babe, what's going on? Hi, thanks. how are you? I'm good. Thanks so much for <laughs> joining me on podcast well thanks sure happy to be here you are definitely my favorite guest of all the guests (laughs) i've had well that is high praise (laughs) so uh, but like you've only had like five people right come on now (laughs) let's let's not uh don't 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 take the gift uh, or are you applying that to future guests future all of them you're definitely top no no offense to anyone else it's just she's my fave no doubt (laughs) uh but uh so today we are going to be talking one of your favorite things in the world Books. books. That's right. And so um, in case anyone's wondering why we're talking about books, uh, I- I'll kind of give my reason. And I think uh, you might have something to add about like, why books are important. I think uh, we'll, we'll sp- start off like spiritually. The Lord uh, wants us to be disciplined and he wants us to learn and stretch our creativity, stretch our our minds. And uh, so I think reading is a great exercise to do that. Um, what do doctors tell you about your kids? Like when you have young children, they tell you to what? Read to your ch- children daily. Uh, actually, don't they even say like an hour a day? I feel like that's a lot. Maybe that's play 60. Maybe I'm mi- mixing up the NFL. Yeah, I don't think it's But they hour. want you to read a certain amount, right, to people, mm-hmm. to your kids. And it's, I think it's because reading just does a lot for our minds. And so why are lists of books and reading so important to you, Ames? I think I'd have to say, one, I just feel like books are such an, an and writing really is such a creative art form. Mm. Um, and, but like you said, it's so good for our minds. Um, it teaches us, it makes you smarter um, in ways that other forms of entertainment like movies and television and even social media do not. Um, I was just reading something the other day about how um, in the 50s, the average person had an attention span of 12 seconds. Mm. And now the average attention span is only eight seconds. So our ability to focus and concentrate is getting worse. And fun fact, the attention span of a goldfish is nine seconds. Wow. So because as a society, we are reading less and we're spending more time on our screens, you know, on Twitter, you only have to pay attention for what is it, 140 characters? Mm. And then you're on to the next thing. Yeah. Instagram, same thing. You read a short caption, look at a picture, move on. Yeah. And so it's encouraging our brains to not focus and not concentrate. And so now we're not even... We can't even focus as long as a goldfish, yeah. which I thought was so funny. Yeah. Because um, yeah. you always hear the joke about, you know, a, gil- a goldfish takes a lap around the tank, and by the time it comes back to where it started, it's forgotten everything. It's brand new. It's a brand new. <laughs> so yeah. I just thought that was funny. We can't even, we're, we're essentially dumber than goldfish now. 
Um, but another thing I've always loved about reading um, that my mom taught me when I was first reading is that if you want to have a big vocabulary, you should read. Mm. And um, one of the things that she taught me and my siblings to do is when we're reading something, um, if we come across a word we don't know and we can't figure it out based on context, that we should look it up. And so um, I ha- I'm am in the habit of keeping a word journal, which is fun. I actually write down new words as I come across in our definition. And I actually was, um, not too long ago, I borrowed one of my mom's books. Um, actually, I'm going to talk about it, uh, the actual book. But um, at one point, my brother had read it. My younger brother had read it. And I saw that he wrote in the margins. He would circle words, and then he would write the definitions in the margins. Oh, wow. And so it was just fun. And it was like in his handwriting, so it was sweet. Yeah, so there's there's certainly a educational side of reading, but there's also like that creative, like mm-hmm. God just stretches us in so many great ways, and uh, the vivid pictures that good writers can have, and adding to what you talked about, we had a professor actually in college at one point that said, if you ever want to be a great writer, you have to be a good reader. Mm-hmm. And so there's, the, you know, this goes back to how we read our Bible, how we you know we mm-hmm. want to read into the Old Testament stories. God created our brains to like you know connect things together and the better readers that we are means the the more we can enjoy his word to mm-hmm. us and so there's just a lot of really great benefits and so hopefully we haven't lost your attention <laughs> yet uh, but what I want to do with you Ames because you love writing you are you love reading uh, you you're phenomenal at both well, um, thank you but uh, I wanted to go over kind of the top list I know a lot of times you're moving into the Christmas season people are asking mm-hmm. maybe for gifts for mm. Christmas, and they're also making lists for the upcoming New Year of like, hey, what books do I want to read in the New Year? I had a friend that created a whole Pulitzer Prize uh, reading list one year, and so what I wanted to do is do the top three books for you, both in fiction and in nonfiction. So the top three books that someone can read, uh, at least for you, your top three for fiction and nonfiction, and so I think we'll we'll start with the the fun one, as I like to call it. It's the nonfiction. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you don't know anything about me and my reading, I am not uh, a huge fiction reader. I think God made Netflix for that. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, you have no imagination, I, my friend. <laughs> every time I'm reading a book that's fiction, I imagine like the videography of the moment. Like, How, do, how would I create this shot if I was filming it? And I'm also ADHD, so then I chase a rabbit trail there and a rabbit trail here that's an attention span we were talking about yes it is (laughs) i have a really good one when it comes to nonfiction, but fiction i have not completely landed that plane yet i'm working on it i have uh, a couple of fiction books in 2022 that i'm planning on reading what are they uh well you know that's for another podcast no (laughs) so just real quick we don't have to talk about them i just want to know what they are one of them is the uh all the all the light you see is that what they're called Mm -hmm. Um, all the light you cannot see. All the light you cannot see. That's that's one of them. Uh, another one is uh, a book your mom gave us, um, and it's sitting on my shelf. I want to say it's like Kingdom of Heaven, uh, something like that. Uh, and then didn't uh, you read Randy Alcorn's Heaven? That is a but that is a uh, nonfiction book. So yes, I read and Randy Alcorn's Heaven. This is like Kingdom of Heaven. It's some sort of British author i can't remember his name and then i'm gonna read a c.s lewis book i haven't determined which one it's gonna be but i i read c.s lewis non-fiction all the time so yeah. i'm gonna dive into his fiction you know he's one of my favorite authors yes i do 
I'm doing it so I can better love you. That's really <laughs> why I'm doing it. So, okay. anyway, okay, so we're going to dive right into your top three nonfiction. The way we're going to do this, I'm going to ask you uh, your, your tops. We'll go from the third all the way to the best. And then we're going to talk about, like, why. We're going to talk about, you know, maybe what does this point you to the gospel in any certain way and those kind of things. You ready? Yes. That was good. All right, here we go. What is the third best nonfiction book? in your life of all time. Okay. Drum roll, please. This was really hard for me to narrow it down to three. And I didn't rank them. So. So these are just the top three books. Mm-hmm. Nice. These are just three books that I really loved among many. And I just thought they were really meaningful to me. What was the book you just said a moment ago? You were talking about a book a second ago. I don't know nonfiction book and I was like oh never mind I need to put that on my list wow. and now I've already forgotten what it was okay so I put the first book the first nonfiction book I remember reading on my list so I guess we'll count that as number three wow because okay. it was so long ago and it was called takedown I cannot remember the author's name right now off the top of my head well we have the internet so as and you're it talking, is about an FBI sting in New York when they went after the Italian mob in New York City. Mm. And the mob was using, uh, what did they call it? It's garbage collection, basically. What is it? That's like something sanit sanitary. Do you know what I'm talking about? You don't know what I'm talking about. You're looking at me. You have a blank stare in your face. Okay. So. The fall of the last mafia empire. That's it. Who's that by? That is a very expensive book. Is it really? <laughs> On Amazon right now. <laughs> it is a $38 book. Yeah, that's the exact one I have. Take Down, The Fall of the Last Mafia Empire, uh -huh. written in 2002 by Rick Cohen and Douglas Century. By the way, we will yeah. have a list. We're going to send out in an email um, <laughs> of all the books uh, for you in this, uh, in this email, so you can kind of click a hyperlink and buy this $38 book if you'd like to. Or you can borrow mine. I'll let you borrow it. Right. Um, uh, but yeah, so Rick Cohen was actually one of the agents who infiltrated the mob and toppled their empire. And it was fascinating. I was in middle school when I read it. Wow. Mm -hmm. It stuck with me. Is this a thick book you read in middle school? Skinny book? In, uh, I mean, how many pages school? does Amazon say it is? I, I don't. Does, does Amazon do that? Whole yeah, thing? it'll tell you the page count. It should. Well, you know. Nope. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I'm not seeing it. So I feel like gonna, it was relatively thick. Uh, I mean, for $38, it better be one of those books that you could hit somebody with <laughs> and, and knock them out. So, I don't I mean, think it was that thick. 352 pages. Good gosh. That is a semi-novel. It, it was such a good book. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, that was the same summer I read A Beautiful Mind, which is, I think, twice as thick. Maybe a good book. No, it's, it's a very good book. Weird movie. It's the books don't like the movie. Yeah. Typical. As we've heard. Yeah. Um, but I think that was probably my first foray into historical nonfiction. Like the way that history is told as a narrative, as a, mm. as a story, which is my favorite kind of history. I yeah, love. That's how history should be. Before we were, before we actually turned on the microphones, we were just talking about how I've read all the um, Bill O'Reilly's series um, about all the presidents who were either assassinated or were attempted to be assassinated. So killing Reagan, killing Kennedy, killing Lincoln. Um, those were really good. Of course, I'm a history major, so I love history. 
and I'm a writer, so I love story. So you combine two of my favorite things. You have his story. No. No. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That was not a good joke in this uh, context. We we were at a church one time where a pastor did a sermon series, and it was called His Story, Mm -hmm. and it was just like... Wasn't it? Was it a Christmas series? No, I don't. Oh. I don't think it was like just it like was. a gospel. But I, you know, I like the pun. I think it was good. Okay. Anyway, so listeners out there, give me a like for that one. All right. So that's your your third, second mm-hmm. nonfiction, or you know, second book. It doesn't have to be number two, I guess. Yeah, I didn't rank them like I said. Um, okay, so this one's kind of nerdy. Not you. Which you nerded out a minute ago, so I get to nerd. It's now it's my turn. Cool. The second, <laughs> the next book on my list is. In defense of food. In defense of food. Okay, let's talk about that. <laughs> the um, listeners definitely just, they paused on that one. No, no, no. It's its actually really, really fascinating. Um, and it's, it's uh, oh gosh, there's a really interesting tagline that comes from it. What's the subtitle? An Eater's Manifesto. No, that's not it. Anyway, um, there's another tagline from it that most of you, I feel like, people have heard it's pretty common um but it's it's just about um it goes it just how do I explain this it discusses how as a culture and in our modern society we have gotten away from eating I'm using air quotes here real food Mm. um and so it advocates for simplifying our diets Removing processed food, which scientists sometimes consider not real food because it's been so processed that anything that was even resembled what came out of the ground is no longer present. Yeah, did you hear recently that uh, most scientists believe that all humans now have a percentage of plastic just in our body? Yes. Because we have absorbed it either i don't know like is that directly through eating or if that's just like keeping our food in tupperware i don't i don't know but (laughs) But then you would eat it so (laughs) So, still same uh, thing we've consumed it somehow yes so one of the taglines from the book is food there's plenty of it around and we all love to eat it so why should anyone need to defend it because in the so-called western diet food has been replaced by nutrients and common sense by confusion most of what we're consuming today is longer the product of nature but of Food science. Mm-hmm. So they had a typo in there. It says no. Lo- it should have said no, no longer, longer. But yeah. it just said it is longer. Thank you, Amazon. Oh, they need an Bezos. editor. <coughs> yeah. So, yeah, uh, I think I remember you. Was this one of those books you read right before you like went vegan several years ago? No, no. I've read this since we had kids. Oh, okay. So it's a. Re- yeah. This is a New York Times number one bestseller. So it's uh, it's really well you. written. I think it's Michael funny. Poland or Pollen? Yes, that's it. Uh. There's there's a tagline in there and it's like eat oh. eat food not too much mostly plants that's it eat food not too much mostly plants that's I said that the first time that is how she lives if you ever eat uh, mm. lunch which you should take my wife to lunch you should you should <laughs> you know and she's a, a a good one to to take to lunch and, and pick her brain but she eats like a rabbit and it's you know hey. I want to eat like a rabbit why are you I down just, on rabbits no 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 I love rabbits they're cute and <laughs> playful and 
Are they in my neighborhood? I Remember see them all when the time? I had a pet rabbit? Yep, she did have a, a Elvis, <laughs> Elv Bob or something like that, right? Bob, what was his name? Bob. Bob? There was no Elvis in there? Just I mean, I called him Elvis because he was all black. Yeah. But you named him Bob because he would Elvis because he was all black? I don't, okay. I don't know. I just asked for thinking. Sure. Well. All right. So that's the second book in defense of <laughs> the first nonfiction book. Top of the top of the line. I think I know which one it is. I think I gave this one to you. What is it? Well, then guess. It's the ruthless elimination of hurry. Yes, it is. By John Mark Comer. Good job. Um, yes, this one's on the list. So I didn't read it all that long ago, but it had such an impact on me, and I enjoyed it so much that as soon as I finished it, I immediately restarted it. Wow. It is probably the only book in my life I've ever read back to back like now, that. Debatable. You did listen to the book. I did. I did. Uh, yes. <laughs> if our friends Ashley and Bill are listening to this podcast. Bill is going to say that doesn't qualify. <laughs> Audible I said, is not the same thing. Because I said I read as it. Reading it. I didn't read it. I listened <laughs> to it on Audible. But we do own a hard copy as a couple. We do. It's sitting on my desk right now because I have yet to finish it. How many pages um, in are you? Ten. Not many. I've st I've restarted several times because uh, the first time I read it, I literally broke down in tears. In a doctor's office, so I had to stop reading it because of my pride. <laughs> uh, so uh, that's how good it is, people. It made it melted Chris Barbie's heart of stone. <laughs> <laughs> it is a very good book, um, talking a lot about Sabbath and uh, culture of resting in the Lord and posture that we should follow Jesus. So yeah, it's a and more than that, it's about being present mm. and paying yeah. attention to these lives we're living and not just get getting caught up in the hustle and bustle. And just letting life carry us, but rather being intentional and actually choosing the lives we live in honor of the Lord. Yeah, on the back cover, it actually says this. It says, how to stay emotionally healthy and spiritually alive in the chaos of the modern world. Who doesn't want that? Right. Like, if I was to say, hey, if you could stay emotionally healthy and spiritually alive, would you, see, would you take it? I would hope all of our listeners would say 100. I want that, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. And so this book is one of those books. It's a very engaging read. He is not a boring author at no, all. No, he's very funny. He's a very uh, unique prose, uh, which is writing style. And so great book. So to recap, your nonfiction books were Take Down, The Fall of the Last Mafia Empire. Mm-hmm. In Defense of Food and Eater's Manifesto. Anything that has manifesto in it. Come on. Wow. <laughs> wow. We just crossed the line. Uh, and then The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. A Christian's Manifesto. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I feel like there is a Christian's Manifesto book out there. Anyway, so. It probably is. Continue on. So let's move to the top three fiction books which i know this is one near and dear to your heart you love fiction mm -hmm, you do. read a lot you read a lot of the same books over and over again so I do. Well, let's go to the third one what is your favorite or your third favorite i should say fiction book top this three here we go narrowing down to three fiction i thought nonfiction was hard fiction was almost excruciating mm. to only pick three um i did find a bit of a workaround though all right so the first book we're going to talk about is a trilogy. Wow. <laughs> so my third one book is actually, actually three, three books. books. Um, I did find out recently, though, that they have made them all into one book, like all in one. So you that can is get a them book you can hit somebody with. So for sure. So I get, it kind of works, right? Like you could get them in one bound sure. copy. 
So, um, but it would be C.S. Lewis's Space Trilogy. Oh, okay. Do you know that one? I do not. Um, so the first one is Out of the Silent Planet. The second one is Perlandria. And the third one is That Hideous Strength. That, that's the title of it? Each book, yeah. <laughs> that Hideous Strength. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Silent Planet. Perlandria. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that hideous strength. And you can buy all three books for $22.40 on good old Amazon. I think that's the copy we have. Oh, yeah. It, looks, mm-hmm. it definitely I, looks old. Um, wore out my original copy, and so my mom bought me a new copy recently. Good mom. She's, so She's good. the best. So why do, you, why do you love this book? What's so unique about it? What, what oh, draws gosh. people in? What's, what's not unique? What's the selling point? Why should I read this book? Well, it's fascinating. Okay. They're all fascinating. Imagine writing a space trilogy before humans had actually traveled to space. Good tagline selling point. Think about the imagination and the creativity Hmm. that would have been required. Because, and this isn't like some arbitrary, he doesn't just like go into space and he's among the stars in the dark. The main character actually goes to Mars. So he creates like a whole planet mm-hmm. that represents Mars. And then he creates a whole planet that represents Venus. So it's just colorful. And the main character meets other creatures. And so he creates those. And he it's almost like he invents a new language um, because the things that he... You know, he has to give all these things names. So he has to give the landscape a name. He has to give the vegetation a name. He has mm. to give these creatures a name. And um, and then, the, of course, there are, because C.S. Lewis was a Christian and he had a very Christian worldview, um, there's a lot of spiritual, uh, Christian, godly elements in this. Um, and so there's a lot of uh, heavenly beings that are met and involved. Would you say, so I don't know if for those listeners who have read C.S. Lewis, he's extremely intelligent. So smart. And he's also British. Yes. In a very British speaking style of writing, I should say. Like it's it's not necessarily the easiest read, some of his nonfiction. That's how, fair. How would you say his fiction compares to his nonfiction? I mean, I've read bits and pieces of Narnia. The Narnia saga uh i guess i could have just called it the chronicles of narnia because that's what it's jeez mm. so how would you say that this compares pretty fairly easy read there's some there's some a little bit of dialect differences but not too difficult I, I wouldn't call it difficult certainly the thing you have to remember is narnia was written for children yep so that's why it is so easy to read even though it was written what 80 years ago long time ago the language was very different and then you have like you said someone from the uk and he was an Oxford professor. So he's, you know, he speaks differently than we do in our modern culture. Um, but I would not call this a difficult read. Okay. I read it, the first time I read it, I was in early high school, I think. Okay. So, but it's, but he does write, this one is written for adults. Well, the good old internet says a 10 to 12 year old boy should be able to read this book. Well, hey. Which means like a eight year old girl can. That's right. I maybe Generally I was eight. Speaking. JK. So, okay. 
All right, so that is your third nonfiction, <coughs> the Space Trilogy mm-hmm. of C.S. Lewis. What is the second fiction book? I should say. I think I misspoke a second ago. Nonfiction. These are fiction. So third was Space Trilogy. Second is. Can you? You think you can guess this one? Hmm. Guess. Uh, I'm gonna go Hobbit, or is that number one? That's gonna be number one. Well, I like I said, I didn't do them in any certain order, so okay, we can talk so about the Hobbit. The, the Hobbit. Hobbit is on my list. Yep. One hundred percent. I love The Hobbit. I read it. I try to read it every year. Usually in the fall, I get the itch. It's one book or three movies. That's right. <laughs> They're all. It's all good. Uh, I think Micah, our oldest, has probably watched a little bit of The Hobbits. Um, we love the story. Uh, and it, what, what's your favorite part about the story, especially kind of connecting back in the gospel? Mm. Tolkien does a good job there. How did you say his name? Tolkien. If it's just Tolkien, Tolkien, why does he have the I? You know? K-T-O-L-K-I-E-N. So if you say Tolkien, that's just K-E-N. <laughs> so. Wow. <laughs> uh, you can say his name however you want. I Thank guess you. he's I not here to correct it. us. There's no phonetics either. Um, phonetics? In names? Phonics. Phonics. Did I say phonetics? <laughs> I said phonetics. <laughs> anyway, let's continue. Phonics. Making me look poor. Poor. Poorly. <laughs> <laughs> don't you speak for a living? I don't. <laughs> okay. The Hobbit. You asked me my favorite part about it. And yeah, then it connects to the gospel. How it yeah. connects to the gospel. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess in the most rudimentary way, good wins. Wow. Good defeats evil. Super deep right And that's people. how... <laughs> I mean, we know that that's ultimately what the gospel is about. God. The, the temptation is in there, like constantly with him and the ring, like he's hiding something. Well, you can't give it away. Spoiler alert. If you have not <laughs> read parts, blips, things, if you don't know anything about a ring and uh, Bilbo, you should go read the book. Um. So my answer would be my favorite thing would probably be the way that Bilbo, the main character, sacrifices the comfortable life he's always known. And he Mm. gives that up in order to help a group of strangers because it's the right thing to do. So you you have this picture of sacrifice for the sake of others and the common good which of course is the gospel you know jesus sacrificed his comfortable place on high and for the good of everyone that's good he saved the world you know yeah it's really good all right last final book fiction category Mm -hmm. what is the best one this is also a book from my childhood, but I have read it multiple times and I have read it as an adult and it still holds a very special place in my heart. And it is To Kill a Mockingbird. <laughs> <laughs> so if you graduated high school, hopefully you read the book. Although I graduated high school and you and did I have it. not read this book. <laughs> so what what's so significant? First off, is this just like a how to on how to kill a bird? It has nothing to do with killing so birds. So it's a super creative title. Mm-hmm, it is, and you'd have to read the book to understand the significance of it. Man, spoiler alert, leaving us on the 
uh, not spoiler alert, but leaving us on the cliff here. You're not even gonna like give us the answer a little bit. No, man. No, it's that's that's one of the hidden gems in the book. I guess we should say in this podcast, we are not making any money off of you buying their books. We're not. But she's not going to give you the answer. Mm -mm. So if you want to know how to kill a mockingbird. No. You got to go Google it somewhere else. But if you want to know what that means in the book. It's not how to kill a mockingbird. It's It's to to kill kill a mockingbird. Who wrote this thing? (laughs) Um, Oh, her name just left my head. Uh, It's a woman. She also wrote Ghost at a Watchman. Harper Lee. Harper Lee. That's it. Super famous. Um, Never heard of her before. Anyway, To Kill a Mockingbird. I read it, I think, also in middle school. It was published in 1960. Yes. Uh, and then there's a sequel, which I don't love as much as the original, but um, her sister published it for her after her death. Hmm. Yep. Stories told by a six-year-old? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the main character, uh, Scout, is her. that's not her real name, that's her nickname, um, and it's her story. It's her and her family's story. So they live in um, Maycomb County, Alabama, and her dad is a lawyer. And Fictional t- uh, county town. Yeah, um, but it's set in this yeah. um, small, you know, small town. Well, this is during the Civil Rights yeah, it's a civil rights book. Oh. Um, and there is um, a black man who is accused of a crime against a white woman, white girl, and no one will defend him. And so Scout's dad, who is a lawyer, Atticus Finch, um, is takes on the job. Takes the job. Wow. And despite, and like, you know, uh, people hated him for it and he gotten you know there was lots of conflict that came as a result of sticking his neck out sure i can only imagine um and so it's just told through her eyes of seeing all of this and just a child's perspective of what was happening and it had a huge impact on me Wow. because again something uh that i said in the book um or alluded to in the book, I suppose. Uh, there's there's this theme of doing the right thing, regardless of personal cost, and it just it's it's one of the first books I read that really articulated that all people, everyone, is a life, and therefore they have value, mm-hmm. and so. It's not determined by skin skin tone or creed yeah. or culture or where you come from or socioeconomic status, but just the fact that you are a human, you are a being that gives you value. Made value. the image of God. That's right. Day. Right. Yep. Cool. So, all right, recap. To Kill a Mockingbird, mm-hmm. The Hobbit, mm-hmm. and The Space Trilogy, because mm-hmm. you didn't want to just choose one of them. You chose... All three of them. All three of them. I almost chose three trilogies. <laughs> <laughs> I see your three books and I'll raise you to nine. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, um, anyway, well, thanks so much for coming on the podcast, listener. I hope that um, as you move into the Christmas season, possibly New Year, um, that maybe if you're looking for a book or maybe this podcast kind of 
pushed you to go, maybe I need to read one book. You know, some, some people said a book a month. Some people read less, more. Uh, maybe this one will just push you to read one. Um, if you're looking yeah, for you're one. Yeah, you're going to start somewhere. Yep. Maybe if you're looking for one of them, one of these six, or I should say one of these, I can't do math anymore. What is that? <laughs> <laughs> it's supposed to be six. Now it's uh, ten, nine, nine, eight. Nine, eight. Is it eight books? That's right. Mm-hmm. I only added two because you only did one trilogy on me. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, maybe one of these eight books will be an option for you um, this upcoming year. Ames, thanks so much for being on the podcast with me. I appreciate all that you uh, do. In case um, you didn't know, she is a staff writer with our church, so she writes, and uh, she has a Devo that comes out for our church uh, three times a week on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday mornings, generally speaking mornings. Sometimes uh, our MailChimp email system Malfunctions. A little uh, throws a banana at us, but throws a banana um, at us. That was funny. (laughs) So she coordinates that and does most of the writing for that. And so I'd encourage you. Speaking of reading, if you don't have a regularly scheduled devotional time, a time Mm, to sit down and read God's word, you can have that sent directly to your inbox, your email inbox, three times a week. And it has. Right now, we've been walking through the Gospel of John for seems like about a year. Not uh, seems like that is. It has literally fact. been a year, yes. and so uh, what we do is we put the scriptures in there for you. You don't have to open your Bible if you don't like, uh, and then we kind of unpack uh, theologically. Uh, we give it some application, uh, and she just does a really good job of writing about that. So you can go on our website, PiedmontChurch.net, and uh, we have a Watch Plus Read tab. You can click that tab, and I think one of the first drop downs from that is sign up for our devotional emails. And so if you'd like that, we'd love to send you those completely free of charge <laughs> just to help you um, walk. Connect with God. That's right. Connect with God, walk in his ways and learn more. So I hope this podcast has been great for you. It's been awesome for me to just sit uh, and listen to uh, what makes my wife's heart beat and the books <laughs> that she loves. Uh, we hope these uh, tools help equip you to lead people to love God, love people, and invest in his kingdom. We will talk to you later.